Praise the Lord for that. I'm glad we can all say amen to that, aren't you? Thank God for his mercy to all of us. I'm glad when he saved me that he knew that I wasn't going to start out perfect. I wouldn't keep every step just exactly right. He knew I'd mess up. He knew you'd mess up. But he loved us in spite of all those things. Aren't we grateful for that? God bless you. Let's turn tonight to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, if you would. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11. We will um, consult the master builder again tonight. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, what foundation? Jesus Christ. So it's possible for a man to build on Jesus Christ gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. So a person can actually build that on Jesus, lay that on Jesus Christ. That's where a lot of organized religion is built on, on the principles of what they call Christian, Christianity, which the Romans call Christianos. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. So you can have different sorts of work built on Jesus Christ. I sure want mine to be the right sort, don't you? If any man's work abide which he has built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. So notice rewards is joined together with works. So you can work and work and work and work and get to the end of the way and the fire will try it. And if it doesn't pass the fire test, you lose it all, every bit of it. Every bit. You see, God's not like men that he look at and say, well, you know what? You've done it and you labored so long. I just can't see that it's right for me to not reward you. No, you lose it all. But you yourself will be saved so as by fire. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved yet so as by fire. Oh my. How many would like to be remembered tonight as we pray? Before we pray, I've got a couple of requests that I'd like to uh, make known to you. Um, Sister Jill Fleeman over in South Carolina, we want to continue to remember our sister. She's been battling with cancer for several years now. We're really going through a, a low spot right now. So we'd like to remember her Sister Joy Green had a pretty rough fall today at Walmart and uh, hurt, her, hurt her knees really bad, back of her head. She fell backwards, hit the back of her head on the hard floor of concrete. Um, so they did x-rays and things like that, but she's still not feeling very good. So we'd appreciate if you'd remember her. Also, Erica, they still haven't found the cause of her fever, but 
it has been doing better, thankfully. So if she's doing, doing well through tonight, hopefully she'll get to come home tomorrow. So if you would remember that. I mean, he has a need, a request on your heart. Heavenly Father, as we bow our heads, we are so grateful, Lord Jesus, that we have been given this opportunity that we could come together tonight to be able to worship, sing, praise, pray, adore, be corrected. Lord, just whatever you have in your mind for this service is exactly what we want. So, Father, we bring these needs that we've mentioned to you, Lord, and we're praying tonight for Sister Jill Fleeman. Father, you see, Lord, she's been battling this thing for several years now, and we pray that you would help our sister. Father, would you strengthen her? Lord God, would you bring healing, deliverance? Would you bring encouragement? Would you help her tonight, Father, we pray. You see our sister Joy as she took this fall today, and Lord God really hurt her knees and uh, hit the back of her head, and Father, we're praying in the name of Jesus. May there be no evil that'll come of this, Lord God. Would you reach down and touch our sister, even now, Lord? Father, we also asking you for Erica tonight that you'd just be with her, Lord, and help her. I know she's wanting to come home so bad, Father. We just pray that you'd be with her and work that out. Lord, hundreds of hands are uplifted in the visible audience, and no doubt many, many more that we can't even see with our natural eye. So we're praying you'd be mindful of the needs of your children. Maybe some are physical, some physical. It's some in their mind, some in their body, some in their spirit. Some, Lord, it's a mental battle. Some, Lord, it's their family. It could be finances, whatever it is. Lord God, we ask you together as your children that you would just move for them, Lord. Help me, dear God, that I can get out of the way tonight, that you can speak through me, Lord, something that would be a benefit to your people. Grant it, Father, we pray tonight in the name of the Lord Jesus. And the saints said, Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I don't know if you know it or not, but actually faith and works are husband and wife. So if a man says he has faith and does not ever do any works, Brother Branham likened that to a man saying that he is married, but he cannot produce a wife. So he said, oh yeah, I'm a married man. I'm, I'm an absolute, I'm a married man. Well, where's your wife? Ah, well, I don't know. That's the way he says it works as Faith Express in Shreveport, 1965. Ah, I don't know. I, I don't know. Well, he said, if he cannot produce that wife, then I am going to doubt that he's married. So works, whenever we go to looking at works and we're identifying works and reward, Many times people get in their mind, oh, you're talking about works for salvation. There are no works at all included in salvation. That's a separate thing. We believe on what God has already done. And the church said, and we accept that and we are saved by accepting the finished work at Calvary. So nothing we do will ever bring merit by which we can be saved. We'll never be good enough We'll never be able to pay him back. He don't want repayment. He does not want us to pay him back for what he saved us from. 
But what he wants us to do after he saves us, then is our life to be quickened by the Spirit of God. And then we go to producing out of that sanctified, Holy Ghost-filled life, fruit, which is equivalent to works. So those works is what in turn you and I will stand upon the elevated position when we walk before him, not the white throne judgment, but the elevated place that John described in the book of Revelation. And we will receive a reward accordingly. Now for those works, it is those things which God enables us to do. So God calls some to be preachers, some to be singers, some to be musicians, some to be helps, some to be governments. Paul mentions that in Corinthians. Each one of us have something that we can do. And that's all that God requires of each of us. I'm so glad God will never require of me what God's given you the ability to do. And the same way with you. God will never require you to do what this man can do or that person can do. Only what he equips and qualifies you to do is the only thing that you and I will answer for. Now, when Brother Branham preaches works as faith expressed, I love the way he does it because he contrasts what Paul said about works and faith with what James said about works and faith. And it would be a stumbling sort of situation if it was not for an understanding to be brought together because Paul sets it forth in one way and it seems as if though that James says it in an entire different way. But what the prophet does, he catches it and brings it together and says the way Paul set it forth was what God saw about Abraham and what James saw was what man saw about Abraham when both of them are talking about Abraham. So it's the same with us. So we want what God sees about us when it comes to works and we also want what people will see about us when it comes to works. So we're not trying to work our way to heaven. We're not trying to work so that we can have a big reward. Well, Brother Donnie, in other words, the more I do, the more I get. No, you've still got the wrong idea. We want to do it simply because he calls us to do it. That's the reason that we do it. So we're not doing it for any type of glory. We're not doing it so that we can be, you know, lifted up by people and people will look at us and say, oh, he's such a great singer and she is such a great person and she does this and this and this. No, we've still got the wrong thing in mind. Now, it's a shame, but it's always been that even those many times that are used by God will battle that very thing. I get so amazed whenever I will listen and I saw it in Pentecost coming up and I hate to say it, but you see the same thing in the message. It's almost like that when a preacher will pray for somebody, you really have to listen close whenever he testifies about it to figure if he's trying to get glory out of that answered prayer, if he's giving glory to God. You kind of wonder because it's almost like it was them that done it. Well, I prayed for a lot of people. I ain't never healed nobody yet. And I guarantee you, there ain't no other preacher ever done it either. So I figure anybody that's ever got healed, whether I prayed for them or you or anybody else, it was not us that done the healing. So I don't figure that we need to try to share that glory with God, but we need to keep ourselves in that humble spot and realize we are unworthy servants in the first place. 
But this is a very great battle because men, when they are being used by God, they will venture for not careful. They will venture into that forbidden territory which is called God's divine glory. Now notice this what James says in James chapter 2 verse 26. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So if a person says they have faith that God is gonna heal them, well, what they're gonna do, they're gonna start acting like they're healed, even though they may not be able to do anything but wiggle that one finger. So they're gonna wiggle it with all the wiggling power they can. They're gonna testify, they're gonna give praise, they're gonna do everything they can do, and are they buying their healing? No, they are expressing their faith by works. Now you know as well as I do that when you go to testifying of something that is unseen, the devil will try his best to make you afraid and he will try to tell you you're gonna bring an embarrassment upon God and you're gonna bring an embarrassment upon your family because what if it don't work, Uh uh-huh, and you're telling the doctors you're gonna be healed and then the doctors is gonna come back and see you in your casket and what are you gonna do? Well, if you're dead, you ain't gonna do nothing. That's pretty evident, isn't it? So he will try to intimidate us to get us not to testify about the power of God. So what's he want us to do? He wants us to wait until after every symptom is already gone. Well, you're not doing it by faith then. You're doing it by knowledge. Well, come on, somebody, say amen. Amen. But Satan wants to intimidate you. How many knows he's done it in your life? And you go to testifying, you can also witness to this, I'm sure, but when you go to testifying, he will make you pay. You say, oh, praise God, God healed my back and God done this, and you get up in the morning and you can't even hardly move. And you think, Lord, have mercy. I don't think I'll testify no more until it's all done gone. You ought to testify more than you did last night because it ain't nothing but the devil trying to back you off from the promise of God. Now, that is works that we can do. Notice James again in chapter three, verse 13. Now, listen at the way he terms this. Who is a wise man? Who is a wise man among you? Let him, notice this, be let him, the wise man that's going to be endued with knowledge among you. Notice his words. Let him show out of a good conversation. Out of a good conversation. Now, the, the English language is very tricky. And some words aren't really compatible to the Greek and the Aramaic. Now, you would take this word conversation as you would in another places that we're gonna read from tonight. And you would think that it would mean you're talking. But you see, that's where when the English wants to translate this from the original, that they took a word that they thought meant talk. But actually, it don't say talk. It says behavior. So notice then, read it this way. He was a wise man and endued with knowledge among you. Let him show out of a good behavior his works with meekness and wisdom. One of the very few verses in the Bible that you will find knowledge and wisdom and meekness all together in the very same verse. Now watch how that James, now remember James is not a prophet like Paul and his revelation wasn't near as great 
as Paul's was. But I'll tell you, James had some real understanding about knowledge and wisdom. Now, many times we think a person that quotes the Bible and quotes the message and quotes and has a lot of knowledge about facts and this and that and the other, and if we're not careful, we will say that person has a lot of wisdom. But wisdom and knowledge are not the same thing at all. Wisdom will teach you how to use the knowledge that you have accumulated. You see, somebody with a lot of knowledge and not very much wisdom can make a bigger mess out of a situation than somebody that's as dumb as a coal bucket. They know they're dumb and they know they ain't got no answer, so they just sat around, well, I don't know. I really don't know what to say about it. But somebody that's got a lot of knowledge and they'll spout out that knowledge and they'll say this and that and the other, and if they're not careful, they, with their knowledge, will take a situation that big and turn it into that big because they use knowledge and not wisdom. I know it's not a gift that we want very much. I realize it's not even a gift among the message that many people seek after. Many people would rather have tongues, interpretation, prophecy, discerning of spirits. Why don't want, why don't want anybody want a word of knowledge? Why don't want anybody want wisdom? Why don't we want none of that? Is, is that less than the vocal gifts? Is that something that we don't consider needed? The lack of it proves among us that we need it. And yet Paul identifies that as one of the great things that God would give the church. Anybody here want that? Anybody want wisdom? Few of you. You'd rather have tongues? You'd rather have prophecy? You'd rather have healing miracles? Oh, but you see, God, James, whenever inspired by the Spirit of God, who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you, which is a strange concurrence that he would use both of these in the same. Now, this is a real gifted man. This is a real gifted person, a person who is wise and has wisdom, but also has great volumes of knowledge at the same time. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. Now you notice that he does not say meekness of knowledge Oh, if you can find somebody that's got meekness with knowledge, you found a great thing. Because knowledge and meekness doesn't always go together. Notice how James couples this and makes it a union. So what is it? It's a coupling together of divine natures of God, which is imparted to the individuals that seek the deeper wisdom of God and the deeper understanding of God. Oh, I know it won't be that many, but it will be those that God can entrust. And you know, Jesus never said that they will stand before me that day and have perfect wisdom, perfect understanding, perfect revelation, and he'll say to them, depart from me, I never knew you. You'll never find Jesus ever saying that. Why? If you have perfect wisdom, perfect understanding, perfect revelation, there's no way for you to be cast out of the economy of God because you are tied directly into the very heart of God himself. But you can shout, jump, run, cast out devils, heal the sick, raise the dead, perform many mighty miracles, and still be lost at the end of the way. Is that your Bible? Is that Matthew 24? Sure. Now what? So James says, who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. With meekness of wisdom. So true wisdom 
will not speak boastfully. True wisdom does not acknowledge flesh. True wisdom does not boast in the vanity of humanity. Well, that was quite catchy, wasn't it? It will not boast in the vanity of humanity. So true wisdom boasts in the greatness of God and the littleness and insignificance of man. It will boast in the great things which are eternal and the vanishing things that are here around us and it will acknowledge that we are all but as a puff of wind which is here for a while and gone. And in a few years, people will barely remember your name. So that's how important you are. Congratulations. But yet wisdom will acknowledge not only what we are here in this life, but what we are going to. It will focus on becoming what God wants us to be instead of focusing, well, I can be a big person, I can do this, I can move up in the corporation and I can amount to something important. That's not wisdom at all because wisdom will let you know you don't have a promise of a tomorrow. None of us here tonight do. Even these young people sitting here, there's not even a promise that they will be alive in the morning. But notice the way that James does this. True wisdom will not speak boastfully. But wisdom, now notice this, meekness is not weakness. Meekness is not weakness. Actually, meekness is greatness. Now this is why Satan and his kingdom cannot identify with such things as this. You see, the Lord Jesus could condescend to such a level that the devil could never even go there. He could never go to the place the Lord Jesus could. There's no way the devil would have ever stepped down from the throne in glory. Had he ever attained to that throne, he would have never got off that throne. He would have never condescended to the earth to come and get you, get me. No way. It's not in him to be able to condescend. He must always brag about himself. He must always look up to himself and think he's just a little bit more than all the rest of the angels. Well, come on, I wish somebody would preach with me tonight. What the prophet tells us said in question 59, that the devil wanted to be a little bit higher than his boss. And he said, God has a hard time finding a man that the more he uses him, that the littler he gets. And he said, if God can use us And the more that he uses us, the littler we get and the smaller we get. But for most humans, the more God uses them, the bigger they get in their own eyes, in their own eyes. But you see, when we go to doing that, we are actually working away from the providence of God and it will actually stop the flow of the channel of God. Oh, may God help us. But you see, meekness is not weakness, yet it would be identified by many as that. But actually what it is, it is power under control. So it is a word that was similar that they would use to bridling a horse. So a horse would be, you know, 16 hands high and maybe have real a lot of strength in his muscles and all, but you put that bit in his mouth and you can do a lot with that horse. You can clamp down on that horse and here's the symbolism of the way that God was showing that if he can find a people, a meek person does not selfishly assert himself. He always knows there's a fine line, he or she, there is a fine line right there between the glory that God shares with any human being and that line which God alone takes to himself. 
You see, this is why you'd find the prophet saying statements like this when he was talking about someone that wanted to debate with him and argue with him. And he said, I could have took that word, I could have tied that man, and it no sooner left his mouth than he come back and said, uh, the Holy Spirit could have took the word. Now you see, there was something about what he said that exalted his own ability. And he come right there and caught it and corrected himself. I hope we got enough of the same Holy Ghost to say, well, I'll tell you one thing, I could do this and I could do that. Well, I'll tell you, friends, if we, if we hang around folks that do that all the time and they can get by with it, more than likely they need more of the Holy Ghost because the Holy Ghost in them, if they say they've got it, it's not the same Holy Ghost that was in the prophet because it corrected him and it lets you and I get by with it. Uh-uh, something wrong somewhere. You see, the meek person does not selfishly assert themselves as being over the word, over the brothers, because as a matter of fact, the word tells us, let us each one esteem our brothers higher than ourselves. Well, now I'm talking about rapture material. Y'all do want to go, right? So the Greek word that was used there was, as I said, a horse that had been broken so that his power was under control. So the meek person seeks to exalt the honor and the praise and the glory of God. Not to cater to his flesh, not to cater to the flesh of other people, but to bring honor to the glory of God. Now I used to have a horse many years ago. I've had all kinds of them. I've had well, walking horses and, and uh, you know, thoroughbreds and quarter horses and this and that and the other. And I had a, a horse and his name was Andale. And that horse was a barrel horse. I mean, knows what that is, barrel racing horse. Well, it was a horse that they raced around barrels and he was used in a rodeo. And that horse was so sensitive that all I had to do, I never had to pull the rein this way or that way, but he was broke where all he would do is feel that neck rein barely touching his neck like this. And if I touched it like that, he's gonna dart this way. If I touched it like this, I didn't have to jerk and jerk. As a matter of fact, it took me a few days to learn how to ride him. And I wound up on the ground a few times because I would barely touch his neck with that ring and whenever I would to him, that was a signal for him to go that way. That's the way he was taught. He was raised professionally and that's the way he did it. Well, it's easy to see. He was professional and I was a redneck hillbilly. I didn't know exactly what I was doing. Well, come on, you might as well say amen. And that's the way we are sometimes with the things of God. We think we're professional Christians and we think we're so great, but when we wind up on the good dirt eating dust a few times, we might as well go ahead and acknowledge you, you're a redneck Christian. You might as well just say it. Well, just get up and wipe yourself off and get back on and we'll keep on riding. But after a bit, I found that horse was such a pleasure to ride. I could take him and watch him get on his back and I could lay that rein down on the right hand side and just lean it there. He would go around and around and around. Well, it didn't take but two or three times for me and that was enough because I would get sick. But he would go around and around and around and spin on that hind foot and he would go around and around. Why? That's what he was trained to do. Yet that horse could have killed me. That horse could have thrown me off, big, tall, stocky horse. He could have thrown me off. He could have trampled me to death. But he was under control, under control. 
So a little feel, just a little nudge on his neck. And as soon as I would take it from the right side to the left side, he would change and go the other way. Whatever I told him to do, he was, oh my, just a pleasure to be able to ride. Well, you're saying if an animal could do that, what about a son or daughter of God that is so sensitive to the Holy Ghost that the Lord just barely taps us, as we would say, and we just go this way. And then the Lord go go that way. Do, do this. Pray. Read your Bible. Forgive that brother. Don't you have a grudge now. Don't you hold a hard feeling. My, wouldn't we be some kind of Christians if we could be as good a Christian as Andale was a horse? Oh my. You see, my meekness is the right use of power. Now this is what meekness does. And wisdom is the right use of knowledge. Meekness, the right use of power, and wisdom, the right use of knowledge. So this is why that knowledge by itself, what does the Bible say? Paul writing about it, knowledge puff us up. Knowledge puff us up. Well, you know what I'm talking about because I don't know. You know, you've been, I'm sure like me, you run into some people, they know a little bit about everything. And if you don't think they do, ask them and 45 minutes later, you'll find out they at least think they do. And they cover this and they go to the moon and back and they cover Mars and they cover the surface of Jupiter and they go here and they go there and say, whoa. But they may have a whole lot of knowledge or at least think they do, but they sure didn't have much wisdom, especially since I was just asking what time it was. <laughs> so you see a person that had a lot of knowledge and they did totally, totally avoid. I just wanted to know if it's time for me to leave or not. I went to Jupiter on the rover. I went down to the atmospheric pressure, down 12,000 feet in the ocean. I went over here and I went over there. I simply wanted to know what time it was. So did that impress me? It did not. So does that impress us? If it does, there's something wrong with us. So meekness then will couple together with wisdom. My, what a powerful scripture then that James wrote. Notice again in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 12. Watch Peter now, he uses the exact same word. Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles. Now let's read this word in the Greek. And it is this, manner of life, conduct, and behavior. Very same word now that James uses. So it's not just your talk, just not your conversation and your linguistic ability and your metaphors and all that that you know how to say, but it is your manner of life. Now notice here, Peter is actually addressing the believers and he said, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may be by your good works. Now notice, not by the doctrines that you believe, not by how much you're able to quote the Bible, quote the prophet, but they by your good works, oh my, notice, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. So you mean people then seeing our good works. Now he's not talking about people that actually even like you. But he said, these people were speaking against the believers, but he said, if you will live right and you'll have the right kind of works, that them good works, he said, which they shall be whole and glorify God in the day of visitation, which is one of the oddest words I've ever seen in my life in the Greek language used for this word that he used. And it was bishopric, visitation. So it was the office of, 
of a preacher. I thought, how peculiar. I was looking, sitting in the hospital room today and sitting there studying, look at this. I thought, my goodness, that is, that is profound. Why in the world would Peter use such a thing? And he identified the day of the visitation of God with the identification of a God called office. That makes it pretty tough for those that don't believe in preachers, don't it? Notice he said that they may behold and glorify God in the day of visitation. How many agree with me tonight that good works are absolutely imperative for a child of God? What about you young people? You think it's necessary for you? Or is this 45 and above? Is this 55 and above? No, it's absolute requirement for all of us. Now watch this in the unpardonable sin. The prophet said, let us hold fast our profession of faith without wavering. He is faithful who has promised. Let us consider one another to provoke one another into love and to good works. Now remember, this is the scripture we looked at last week in Hebrews 10, 24. And this is the way then that Brother Branham deals with that. He said, provoke there means to encourage. So encourage one another unto love and to good works. If you see a brother in the church, now he's going to give you an example of a good work. If you see a brother in the church that's got something against the other brother, don't say something to stir that thing up. Ooh. Now we got a lot of stirring Christians. I said we got a lot of stirring Christians in Christianity. They like to stir up things. Uh-huh, well, I figure him, you know, amen's is gonna be scarce tonight, but that's all right. But you know, you have a direct quote from your message telling you not to do such a thing. Notice what he says, oh my, don't say something to stir that thing up, but say something that will bring them together. So instead of trying to get in the middle of something and make it worse or to repeat, well, he said this about you and she said that about you. I just thought as your best friend that you should know. Now, this is just between me and you. If you believe that, oh my goodness. Well, I, I ain't told nobody, but I'm gonna tell you this. Uh-huh. Notice provoke one another under good works and to love is what we What? Now, do you believe this is a must? Or you do believe that this, well, it's not really that important. I personally believe this is a must. Praise the Lord, me, and one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. Anybody else? 13, 14, 15, 16. Okay, okay, 17, 18, 19, 20. Brother Keith did not want to be left out of that must, did he? <laughs> Notice then, this is what we must do. What is that? Oh, my goodness. Ah, that's a man that's born again. That's a man that's born again. Whew. Notice it goes on to say, now we're very happy to know that the Lord Jesus still lives and reigns and loves his people and has a peculiar people, a people zealous of good works. Now, not jealous, not jealous, but zealous. In other words, they're zealots. Anybody familiar with the term zealot? You know what a zealot was? 
Anybody? Okay. Well, in the days of the Lord Jesus, on up to the time of the Masada and on up for a long time, there, there was a group of Jews and they rebelled against Roman reign. And they called them zealots because they had such a zeal to break the Roman hold. Uh, the, the thing at Masada, many of you may know the guy's name and he was a zealot. And many of them men that died there on Masada, they were zealots. So they were hated by the Romans because they could not stand Roman rule. And yet this is what God wanted his people to be, zealous not to be like they were, but zealous of good works, to have such a passion, such a desire to do good works. Well, for what reason, Brother Donnie? Because God wants us to do them. So where do we get that zeal? We get it from our Father. Not that we can be noticed, not that people can say, well, I just have to tell you so-and-so done this for me and that for me, and that's what we wait to hear back. No, we want to do it in such a way and hope nobody else even finds it out. We just want to do it and say, praise the Lord, brother, I'd rather that you didn't even tell nobody that I did that. Uh, you know, just, it's just between me and you and uh, just God bless you and I love you and let it go at that. Well, praise the Lord. A people that are zealous of good works. I found this amazing. Again, I was sitting in the hospital today and studying a little bit on this and I want you to notice what the prophet said here and let your light shine. We're Christ billboard. And Christ is our sponsor. How many knows what the billboard is? You drive out on the interstate on the road and you're going down through there and you're going down interstate 65, 24, uh, whatever it is, and there's a great big McDonald's sign, don't run on empty. And there's a Big Mac and them golden fries. <laughs> My, they got 1,000 calories in this. And you know how many ever 100 calories of that? and a Diet Coke on the side. Oh my, gotta balance out everything, don't you? And don't run on empty. Now what does that do? That's by your eyes watching that billboard, then it sends a subliminal message and you might not have even been that hungry. But all of a sudden, you find your car in autopilot and it's just turning off to the right and you find, what am I doing? What am I doing? I pull right in McDonald's. I don't even like McDonald's. But what am I doing? Now that is the power of a billboard. And yet here Brother Branham identifies us as being Christ, which is Christ possessive, Christ's billboard, and he is our sponsor. So instead of it being McDonald's or a hotel chain or some type of gas station, Christ is our sponsor. So he takes our life and puts us on full display. And of course, Christ is updated, so we're not just using paper no more, but we're the digital billboards now. So we are totally digital. So we can change from the morning to the evening. We'll put on the goodness of God, and then at noon, he'll reprogram us, and we'll put on patience, and we'll put on mercy, and just as it's needed, we're just walking around, and the Spirit of God just digitized us to the presence of the Lord. Somebody needs a smile. Somebody needs a door open for them. And you say, oh my goodness. Oh, thank you, sir. Thank you. Are you, where are you from? You know, where are you from? Heaven, heaven. You know, they know you're really strange whenever you say thank you and have a nice day. You know what I'm talking about? We're living in that kind of crazy world. 
The doctor came in to see Erica today and she was talking to her and telling her, she said, the support group that you have, talking about her family and so on, she said, you are so fortunate, so blessed. She said, yes, ma'am, I am. She said, 75% of the people that I see, and this is one of the main doctors in Franklin Woods, she said, 75% of the people that I see don't have hardly any help or any support from family or friends, nobody. She said, well, I wish I could adopt some of them people out to people that would just come in and sit with them and be nice. I thought, what a cruel age we're living in that people don't even love their own families. They don't even, won't even go visit them and see them whenever they're sick and in the hospital and we say we are Christians? Well, preach, Brother Donnie. What kind of billboard are we advertising? Who are we advertising for? Jesus said, when you've done this to the least of these my brethren, you have done it unto me. You see, friends, it is not just something we ought to do to our family. It's something we ought to do to the family of God. Notice the way it says that then we're Christ's billboard and Christ is our sponsor and this sponsorship is by Christ and he is giving us our life to sponsor him. So now watch once you become his billboard and that is his property. That is his property. So it's not a, a part of the outdoor living which is one of the main ones here in the south who owns many of the billboards. So they're the ones that you have to go to and lease. So they own the lease, they own the rights. If you want to put a sign or whatever more, you have to contact them. I'd like a sign on Interstate 40. I'd like one on here and there and there. Well, it'll cost you so much, so much. All right, I'll do it. So you're the one that's sponsoring. And what does that billboard do? It puts out your message. Your message. Love's exit number 36. We have now RV hip hookups. We've got fresh watermelon. We've got cantaloupe. And say, boy. Oh my, we want yeah, what does that do? If a billboard can do that to your mind and my mind, what about a Holy Ghost filled Christian billboard that will give the world a smile, that will let somebody know there is a God in heaven and he's not a dead creed, he's not a dead church, he's not a dead ism, but he's a living, resurrected Savior. A billboard. Oh my goodness. Notice this, he goes on to say, a simple, clean billboard was Christ wrote across your life. Then men will see. Now notice what they're gonna see. They're gonna see your good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. Not you. Not you. They're gonna say, oh, so-and-so and so-and-so. Oh my goodness, oh my goodness. You know, if we're not so careful, friends, we're gonna get so tied up in the flesh of this person, that person. Remember, when you go to trusting in the arm of the flesh, the prophet's son told us, God will cause that man to make a mistake in front of you to prove to you he is a man. I don't care who it is. Don't you ever put your ultimate confidence in no man. You put your ultimate confidence in Jesus Christ. All men are flawed. You, Brother Dottie, absolutely I'm flawed, just like every other man you know and every preacher you know. Oh, Brother Tim Pruitt ain't flawed. Yes, he is. I know him. Now, Brother Donnie, don't you go to saying Brother Ron Spencer is. Brother Ron, you're probably listening to me tonight. I can see him right now smiling, that million-dollar smile, looking over Sister Connie. Brother Ron, buddy, I love you. 
but you're flawed. Brother Andrew, you're flawed. Brother Dale, you're flawed. And all the rest of you all in here are flawed too. That's why we go so well together. We're all flawed. There ain't nobody that we can look up to and make an idol out of. Oh my goodness. Oh Jesus. Boy, it's bad when you go to preaching on sheep. It's really dangerous when you go to preaching on preachers. <laughs> You're taking your own life into your own hands, ain't you? Wow. Notice this, then men will see your good works, but it kind of makes you wonder if men are glorifying men. What, what, what causes that? Because according to the, the right way is that when they see your good works, they won't glorify you. They'll actually glorify the Father. So it makes you wonder about some of the works and some of the things that's happening. Is it not pointing to this man or that man or another man? Uh-huh. Well, I can preach an amen. I've done it before. It just takes twice as long, though. Y'all will think sure as the world. I got a button in my mouth and see a lifesaver. Now notice, oh my, then men will see your good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. That's it. Don't be smutted up with the trash of this world. So every person here tonight that professes to be a Christian, you are a billboard. You're a billboard at work. You're a billboard at church. You're a billboard when you're over here in the fellowship hall and when you've got the basketball. Uh-huh, come on now, Brother Donnie, preach on that. You're a billboard when you've got the volleyball. You're a billboard when you're picking people to be on your side or not on your side. You're a billboard, every one of us are. We are a billboard, so what are we projecting? Christ or ourselves? Christ, what's most important to us? Well, I'll tell you one thing, I ain't no way in the world. I wanna get so-and-so on our side because they can't even play. So in other words, what's more important to you is winning than hurting somebody's feelings. Brother Jackie, watch this air set on, buddy. Listen to this. I just heard it kick on. Thank you, Jesus. No wonder the world does not appeal to us. We are a peculiar people, zealous unto good works. We have been recreated in him, oh my, to be children like unto our Father. I wonder, friends, Whenever we look at that and we measure us as being a billboard, what do people feel when they're around us? Do people feel comfortable being around us? Or if you're worth a little more money-wise, do they not feel they belong to your class in the church? Well, if we've got more than one class here, you ain't following the teaching of your pastor. I don't care if you make $500 a year or a half a million. You ain't no better off than the person who draws food stamps and lives off of Social Security. Got just as much right to God, got just as much right to me as your pastor. Oh my. Notice this in the Thyatiran church age. Now works will never 
take the place of faith in God for our salvation. But works will show forth our faith already placed in him. Good works won't save you, but they will come forth out of a saved life as fruit. Works are fruit. So works will come out of a saved life. It's the fruit that you're a Christian. Matthew 7, 16, you shall know them by their doctrines. By how many sick they pray for. How long the prayer line is. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Now notice again, it goes on in the same quote there in the church age book. If you are a Christian, you're going to do what is right. And your works will show that your heart is right. You see, for those who do not make the connection of good works with a right heart, then they believe their heart can be right with God and they can live like, like the devil. We have Christians, people in this day that claim they are Christians and yet they smoke marijuana. We have people who claim Christianity and curse. Look at Ron DeSantis running for president of Florida. A, a, a Christian, oh yes, absolutely identifies himself as a conservative. You ever hear much of that man talking? He cusses like a sailor. Well, I'm sorry I deflated some of you all. Look at what's called conservative. Look at anheuser Bush with what they've done and how much money they've lost out of the thing. I, just, I, I just cannot believe, not so much them, but how many so-called conservative Christians are boycotting Bud Light. <laughs> You've got to be kidding me. I would have never thought a Christian would have even wanted anything to do with Bud Light or Bud Heavy or Bud anything else. I've been hearing some of this and you say, you've got to be kidding me. So this is now conservative Christianity. This is conservative Christianity that you're going to boycott Bud Light. So yeah, you're going to drink another beer and get drunk and say, glory to God. <laughs> and that's conservative. Can't you see, friend, where the world is going heading straight for tribulation? Oh, you say we're the same as they are. We are not. We are called out from that trash and nonsense of the world. Oh, hallelujah. God said, come out of her, my people, and be you a holy, separate people, saith the Lord. Oh, my. If you are a Christian, you're going to do what is right. Your works will show that your heart is right. And it won't be something you put on. For you will do his will. I love this part. When no one but God sees you. Praise the Lord. That means when you're alone with your cell phone. I'll preach, Brother Donnie. 
Well, your Holy Ghost shouldn't be your wife. Your Holy Ghost shouldn't be your young ones come in and then you change websites. Come on. But you know God's there. David said, I keep him always before me. That's why people do wrong. Because somehow they think God ain't there at that moment when they're sitting wherever they are and they go somewhere on some website that ain't fit for a hog to look at and they're sitting there looking at it. Come on, pretty children. And yet they don't, cannot, how can they believe that Almighty God is right there in that room watching everything they're doing? If you do, you'll walk a different walk. You'll talk a different talk. You'll live right. You'll walk right. You'll think right. And when the rapture gets ready to take place, you'll take your flight with what is right. Mm. Oh my, you will do his will when no one but God sees you. Listen to this. And you will do his will even if it costs you your life. Praise the Lord. Can I go on? Thank you. Let's look at eternal life for a few minutes. How many believe you have it? Eternal life already. Listen to this. A person who lives their life for their self lives a selfish life. We must live for others. Bear you one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. And we've got to have a feeling for one another. And therefore, when you've done all you know how to do, then when you do lay down at night, well, you have the consolation knowing that you tried your best. I want you to notice the words that he chooses here. A person who lives their life for their self. So they live their life for their self. They live a selfish life. But bear you one another's burden. So what is the law that he's breaking into, the law of God, the law of Christ. So we must not just do things for others, but actually live for others. Now think about it, process it, not just do good things on the occasion, but actually living for others. Notice again he says, so each day I want to live life not for myself. If I live for myself, I live a selfish life. I want to live for others and give what strength I have, not to myself and to my own pleasure. Testing, one, two, testing. Uh, Y'all hear me? Wow. I want to live for others and give what strength I have, not to myself and to my own pleasure, but for the benefit of others that'll build the kingdom of God. Now, don't raise your hand, but how many of you all honestly do this daily, weekly, monthly? Yearly, on leap year? (laughs) 
You see, friends, this separates bride from church. It's amazing how much we do for us, with us in mind, and about how much of us we think about, and how much we say about us. I find it amazing. You know, you can, I'm on several ministers' chats. And if a certain brother from a certain church will say, I, I want to share a miracle that the Lord did. The Lord did such and such and so and so on our church on Sunday. Some of the brothers come on there, praise the Lord, that's wonderful. But if that same thing happens at their church, they go on and on and on and on about how great it was. And the very same thing happened at another man's church and they say, praise the Lord. I personally have a problem with that. You know why? Because they're not giving the right glory to God. It's greater if it's in their ministry and their church and their pastor. Let me ask you something. How can it be any greater where a dead person is raised from the dead here or raised from the dead in Guatemala? are raising the dead in Brother Doug Baker's church in Tucson, which happened there as well. Should not we give the same glory to God since he's the only one who can raise the dead? I just don't understand. What is it? Selfishness. Selfishness. It's always greater when it's at my church. It's greater because my pastor Prayed the prayer of faith. I honestly don't care which one of you prays the prayer. <laughs> if one of you brothers prays the prayer of faith for Eric and she's healed, one of you sisters, one of you mothers, I couldn't care less. It don't have to be my prayer. It don't have to be the wife, my wife's prayer. I don't care if one of you is able to touch God for Sister Joy Green tonight, for Sister Jill Fleeman. I don't have to say, well, glory to God. I went down on my knees and I went before the Lord and I'll call Sister Jill Fleeman's name and glory to God, wouldn't you know it, the Lord heard my prayer as always and he always comes on the scene for me. You big bag of wind. You can't heal cancer. Man can't raise the dead. Only Jesus Christ can heal cancer. Only Jesus Christ can set the captive free. So we need to give all the glory and all the praise, not to a preacher, not to a church, but to Jesus Christ. Gonna keep on, sir. You're gonna get me fired. <laughs> now listen, where Brother Renham goes with this, and that day on Calvary, Jesus never lived for himself. His life was spent for others. That's perfectly eternal life. If you mothers and fathers, husbands and wives, would start living more like this. A lot of the arguments in your homes, a lot of the divisions would totally dissolve. 
A lot of the problems in your family, a lot of the problems in our church, a lot of the problems in the churches around the world would totally dissolve because we'd quit. Well, mine, me and mine, my kid, my child, my this and the other, my, 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 that's the problem. My, 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 me, mine, oh, me, I, 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 I. When you say you go to church and you do good things, that's fine. But when you live your life to yourself, you haven't eternal life. I'm sorry, friends. I just have an issue with folks that don't believe you need to go to church. You know why? They cannot fulfill that quote. They live their life to their self. You know why? Because it's hard having friendships. Yeah. Let's just face facts. Sometimes it'd be easier if each one of us had our own private planet. Yeah. Especially when you get tired of people. You just say, I'm buzzing off to wherever it is. Where you going? I ain't telling you. I don't want you showing up in my buzz light here. Get away from me. You ain't tracking mine and Carol's spaceship. We're out of here. We're gone. It'd be much easier. Why? Friendships require work. Friendships can be difficult. And people say, oh, it ain't worth it. No, if you're a stubborn, hell-bound goat, it ain't. But if you're a sheep that wants to fulfill God's word and you know I've got a responsibility to go to the house of God. I've got to look out for my brothers. I've got to look out for my sister and they need to look out after me. I need them and they need me. Well, I'm really looking forward to the special meetings, ain't you all? <laughs> and let me tell you one thing that's going to make them so special. Preaching like this that leads us up to it. Don't you get in your mind Tim Pruitt, Ron Spencer, or David Siler is bringing a special anointing with them that they're bringing a special sermon all of a sudden it's gonna turn our church upside down if there ain't nothing for them to preach to. If there ain't any people that believe the word and if there ain't any people that are taught the word of God, it won't do them a whole lot of good to come. But if we can have a people that'll say amen, a people that'll say preach it brother, tear the hide off of me cause I wanna do right. We're gonna have a meeting that's gonna be absolutely awesome. Absolutely overwhelming because God knows we need it. Let me close with this. When you say you go to church and you do good things, that's fine. But when you live your life to yourself, you haven't eternal life. Eternal life is living for others. It proved it when he come in the Lamb of God. He lived and had eternal life because he did not live for himself. He lived for others. You receive eternal life by receiving that day. And you don't live for yourself no more. No more. 
you live for others. Someone said, how can you stand and let anyone call you such bad names? You don't live for yourself. Now, what a strange thing. How, what a scenario to put that in. So how can you let people call you such bad names? And this is his answer. You don't live for yourself. So then what do you do when people call you bad names and then you go back on Facebook and call them names? You're living for yourself. You don't live for yourself. You live for others that you might redeem that man. That you might redeem that man. You become sons and the trouble of it is the church has forgot they were sons, you are sons. You taking Christ's place. You are sons so you don't live for yourself. You live for us. Well, Brother Ram, I can live for this brother because he's sure a nice man. That's not it. Listen, children. Live for that man who hates you. Live for that person who'd kill you if they could. Oh, my goodness. Lord, help us. Lord, help us. That's what they've done to him. They killed him and he died that he might save them. That's eternal life. When you, when that's in your bosom, you are facing heaven then. Not cleansing the leper, raising the dead, shouting, running, jumping. No. Don't jump no higher than you live. If you live high, jump to the roof, brother. We'll catch you when you come down. But how do you treat others? Do you live for others? Oh, my. Let's stand. That's eternal life, and that's in your bosom. You're facing heaven then. You sacrifice your own things. You give them up like the sheep gives up its wool. You look on towards Calvary. Notice this as he goes on and he prays, God, let me be crucified today. Let me crucify today myself and my ideas that I might live with Christ and live for others. No matter what they do to me, if they make fun of me and persecute me, and say all evil against me and things, let me just humbly walk along meek like a lamb, like he did. Oh, my goodness. And to be honest, before we pray, Lord, I want to be like that. I want to be like that. Our knowledge, our gifts, our healings, our miracles, our years of being around the message, what good would any of that do us if we cannot do this? This, my brother, sister, is eternal life. It cannot be impersonated. A person can say, I've received eternal life. I went to the altar. I received eternal life. But look at the life they live. Look at the billboard that's on display. So, when people will do something against them or say something, 
Do they get even? Do they hold grudges? It's amazing how many Christians hold grudges. Just hold grudges. Oh, my goodness. But when you stand praying, forgive. That your Father may also forgive your trespasses. Oh, my goodness. How many like to be remembered tonight as we pray? How many believe by the grace of God you have eternal life? How many wants that eternal life to live more effectively out of your life? That you are not your own self. You don't sponsor yourself. So you are not the message on your billboard. It would make no sense for McDonald's to pay thousands and thousands of dollars for a billboard and then tell the person outdoor life resource, you, you go ahead and put on the what you, whatever you want to. I mean, that's what I do when I go through a drive-thru. What do you want? Just give me what you want to. I went to McDonald's the other day, believe it or not, I was in big rush. I thought, this is the closest thing. I'm going to the hospital. I'm going to grab me something. I went to McDonald's, ordered a quarter pound of cheese and no onion. I got a fish sandwich. See what I'm saying? That's my philosophy. I should have just said, give me whatever you want, you're going to anyway. But the Lord don't say that about us. He says, I bought you. You are mine. Your message is not yours. What you think, I'm not interested in. I never paid for you so you could project what you think. I never paid for you so you could project your opinion and your ideas and blow your own horn. I paid for you so you could project me. Oh, my. Dear Jesus. Going to be another lonely Thursday. (laughs) Let's bow our heads. Dear God. Lord, I pray that you'd help each of us tonight, Father. Every man, woman, boy and girl. Lord, if we say we have eternal life, and yet we live our lives for ourselves, it's all about us, our opinion, our ideas. Lord God, help us to see clearly tonight. Father, we know Self-deceit is one of the hardest that there is to see ever. We can see others and we can see the devil, oh yeah, but how we deceive ourselves, it can be so difficult. We can see other people's faults so easily, but looking at our own. Lord God, may we look tonight through your Vision, O Father, and see eternal life itself must express itself, not us. You didn't buy me so I would preach myself. As Paul said, we preach not ourselves. You didn't come preaching yourself, Lord Jesus. You didn't just didn't say, I go around and heal though, I want to heal, and I do this and that and other. You said, I do only what my Father shows me. You were the Spirit's billboard. You did that to be an example. I just read it yesterday where the prophet said you could have had wife, 
You could have had a home. Could have had a family. But you said, I sanctify myself for their sake. No doubt some of these people standing here tonight in Word of Life Church would have really struggled with you being sinless and being their redeemer if they would have known you'd had a wife. You could have physically fathered children and they would have not been the literal children of God. But it would have stumbled some of your people. And they would have thought, how could he be sinless? How could he be holy and have a wife? How could he have a home? How? So he said, Father, I sanctify myself for their sake. Lord Jesus, I can't imagine how you would have loved to have a little wife when you got done with that great sermon on the mount. How you loved to have a little wife and you took her by the hand and had a little home somewhere, Capernaum or somewhere. You and her would have left them, them old brawny fishermen, Peter and James and John, and left them arguing and debating, and you and her just went back and maybe got out on a little boat just sailed across the Sea of Galilee and should have took you by the hand and held your hand. Said, I'm here with, with you. I'm here for you. No doubt you thought about it. Well, let me just tell you right now, sir. I wasn't there then, but I'm here now. And I'm part of your wife. And I'm here to tell you, you're my hero. You're the mighty God. You're the everlasting Father. What you sacrificed then, you've got now. And furthermore, you will have her for eternity. For one day we will be resurrected and changed and stand before you. And finally, you will get your wife. Oh, people wonder what we're going to do for eternity. Minister to our husband, of course. For thousands of years, you've been waiting for your wife. Oh, Jesus. I can't wait to see you. I can't wait to be with you. I cannot wait to minister to you and love you. Oh, I'm not going to wait till then, but I can't wait to see you. I can't wait to fall before your feet. Lord, and crawl up if I've got 50 trophies, if I've got 500 or 1,000, whatever you put in my hands, Lord God. Help me to be able to present them with not one speck of selfishness. Help me, Lord God, that I'll be able to present those that you put in my charge, whoever they are, Lord God. Whether they're down, Lord, in Colombia, or they're up in Iceland, or they're in Norway, or they're in Johnson City or Jonesboro, wherever they are, Lord, help me to be faithful. May I present to you those that you placed in my charge. Lord God, that we can fall down and worship you. Not that the mighty preachers will stand there and they'll be this and that and the other. Our focus ain't gonna be on no mighty preachers. It's gonna be on our mighty God. We worship you tonight, Lord Jesus. I don't want you to have to wait another day, another year, another six years or seven to the rapture to hear your bride tell you how great you are and how wonderful and how awesome. I want to tell you right now, Lord, 
I love you so much. You're my king. You're my father. You're my redeemer. You're everything to me, Lord. I thank you for buying me. I thank you then after you bought me, you took my life and you painted your message on my life. I have no regrets for the years that I've given to you, Lord. The only regrets I have is my failures and my mistakes. I'm glad I didn't go out there and live my life for the devil. Oh, I'm so glad I gave it to you when I was just a boy. I'm so glad, Lord God, many others standing here tonight, they're not ashamed of your gospel. They're not ashamed. They want to be a billboard at 70, at 75, at 80, whatever they are, that we can flash out the goodness of God, flash out the mercy of God. Oh, Jesus, take our lives. May eternal life express itself out of us, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord Jesus. Can we just raise our hands now? Now you claim to be his wife, his bride. Why don't we just enter in for just a few minutes into his great August presence. Now remember you've been called to enter into the holy sanctum as it was called. David had a quarters and the Middle Eastern kings did to where that no one could come except they were bidden. You have been given that special opportunity to come into the inner sanctum of the king. Hallelujah. There we can worship. There we can love. We lay our burdens aside, our cares, our troubles. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We worship you, Lord Jesus. We adore you, mighty God. Thank you, Father. Oh, hallelujah. Let's leave Word of Life Church for a few moments. Oh, how we thank the Lord for our place here. I passed my holiday in yesterday and I just said to the Lord, Lord, I think he was able to have church there, but I'm sure glad we ain't there no more. We've got our own place. Oh my, how we'll feel when we get into that great heavenly kingdom and the paradise of God. And if we could look back down at this place, we'll say, Lord, we're so glad we ain't at word of life no more, but we're up here in your house. We've come up here to love and to worship and adore. Praise the Lord. Is there anybody who'd like to take just a few minutes with me before we go? and just love him and praise him. Now let us minister to him. Praise the Lord. Minister to your husband. Minister to him. I love you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. Lord, if I've got anything on my billboard that's not pleasing to you, take it off, Father. If I've got some temper, some anger, some resentment, a hard feeling, Lord, take it off, Lord. Charge me with your divine energy, O Father. May my light be able to flash. May it sparkle, not with Hollywood, but with the glory of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. 
We lift our hands in your presence, great Jehovah God. As I heard your prophet say it yesterday, who has more authority? A redeemed son of God or an angel in heaven? And he says that son of God on the earth has more authority than an angel in heaven. And Lord God, we don't want to stand here tonight to use that authority for selfish means or for selfish glory or for selfish personification. But Lord, may we use what you've given to our charge for the honor and the glory of your kingdom. May every singer use their ability to sing and bless the people, not Lord for themselves, but for the kingdom of God and the blessing of the body. Every musician, every preacher, every deacon, every trustee, every office holder in our church, oh Father, may all of our lights be billboards flashing to the glory, the majesty, the honor, the presence of the living King. Hallelujah, hallelujah. The prophet goes on to say that when our life is a billboard, that if hungry people see it, that they may be able to follow it to where they can get fed. That's what we want to happen here at our church, Lord. We're not looking for members, but we are looking for seed. Lord God, I want every seed in this, this community here that's ordained to be a part of us, we want every one of them. If they don't belong to us wherever they belong, let them go there. But Father, anyone that's ordained to be a part of us, let them find their way, Lord. Hallelujah. Maybe people, one of our sisters. As Ben Carroll was going through a furniture place the other day, and a man hollered at me and said, hey, what church you go to? I said, what makes you think I even go to church? He said, I know enough about apostolic and Pentecostal to know you go to church somewhere. So I told him, and I thought, isn't that something? He didn't know it by looking at me. He knowed it by looking at my wife, cause my wife was a billboard. Her hair was a billboard. Her dress was a billboard. Lord God, may our sisters be a billboard, not ashamed, not hang their face, but shining to the glory of God. Oh, grant it, Lord. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Can we just raise our hands and wave them around in the presence of God? Thank the Lord. You say, well, what are we doing this for? We're getting our billboard all charged up so we can go out tomorrow. Praise the Lord Jesus. Praise the Lord Jesus. Lord, let me get charged by the power of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let people just see us out there and say, well, you go to church. Hey, you're a Christian, what's different about you? Let them be able to see and witness eternal life. Oh, grant it, Lord, may it be so with our young people. May it be so with every individual father. Oh, grant it, Lord, take away grouchiness from us. Take away hatefulness. Take away, Lord, anything that displeases you. Make us sensitive into your presence, Lord God, I pray. In the name of Jesus. 
In the name of Jesus, we worship you, Lord. We call on your name. Oh, we sing your song. We bless your name. You've led us along. Let our light so shine before men that they may see him. They will not think it's us at all but they will know it's him us in his call may our billboard shine for you may our hearts forever be May our message not be our own. May it be our Christ alone. May eternal life so shine. The resurrected Christ divine. Eternal life shine through me oh eternal light shine through me let eternity sublime give us holy fire divine predestinated as your pride, we are your word. May our church be a living fire. May our souls be called on fire. Shine, Jesus, shine. Oh, shine, Jesus, shine. Let me sparkle with love divine. Oh, shine, Jesus, shine. Somebody sing it now. Shine, Jesus, shine. Let us shine with light Oh, shine, Jesus, shine. They are light so shine bright that Johnson City and Jonesboro and Elizabethan can say, I know where there's some people. I know where there's some people that shine. They call them the Scourge. Well, they call them them Branhamites. Well, they call them all kinds of names. And I don't know about none of that. But there's one thing I 
know about them. They say, shine, Jesus, shine. Oh, won't you shine, Jesus, shine. Oh, let my life be your message divine. Shine, Jesus, shine. Oh, somebody sing it now. Shine, Jesus, shine. Let your love, your love be fine. Oh, shine, Jesus, shine. Sing it, little bride. was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, the mighty God. They say He raised the dead and He healed the sick, He even walked on water. They buried Him in a tomb, but it couldn't hold Him there no longer. Oh, shine, Jesus, shine. Help me sing it now. Come on, Shine, Jesus, shine. Oh, shine, Jesus, shine. Let the power of your spirit, Lord, let it shine. Let my life your billboard be. Let it speak how time has merged into eternity. I'm gonna sing it this way, shine, Jesus, shine. Let the world say shine, Jesus, shine. Let word of life say shine, Jesus, shine. Let my life say shine, Jesus, shine. Shine, Jesus, shine, Jesus. Oh, shine, Jesus, shine. Oh, shine. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. We worship you, Jesus. We worship you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, you feel in your heart tonight if, if there's any smut or anything on, you, on your billboards, you just want the Holy Ghost to come by and just rub it all. Maybe temper, anger, attitude, or whatever it is, so it can just be able to shine through your life. Oh, praise the Lord. Realize you'll be the only Bible that some people will ever read, so make sure they're reading the right version. Make sure it's the King Jesus version instead of your idea of this version. You'll love him with all your hearts. God bless you. See you, Lord willing, Sunday.
mindset with all your heart. Brother Darrell, would you come and offer prayer for the saints, buddy? Thank you, Lord Jesus. Your sign may not be but that big, but you know what? Somebody might see yours that would never see this man of God walking down the aisle. Might never see mine. Might never even, even see Brother Tim Pruitt, Brother Ron Spencer, but it might be your little billboard at school where they go. And they'll see there's something different about you. Thank you, Lord God. Let's just bow our heads. Thank you, Lord God. Heavenly Father. Lord, we are so grateful that your word, Lord, could speak to our hearts. Truly, Lord, it's our desire. As your people on the earth, Lord, that our lives, dear God, would be a witness of your love and of your mercy. Oh, God, that we could just give ourselves away to you, Lord. That they wouldn't see me, Lord. That they'd only see you. Lord, not just in a pulpit, Lord, but at Walmart at home, in the hospital rooms. Oh, God, let us be those kind of a people, Father. You don't need our ability. You just need our skin, Lord. And tonight we as your people, Father, we surrender ourselves to you, Lord. God, may you take my brother and my sister here, Lord, each one. That we would have that commitment, Lord. That, that we would just be that billboard, Lord Jesus. That others may see you, Lord, in the power of your resurrection, dear God. Not just in signs and wonders and miracles, but in kindness and humility and in love and in forgiveness and long-suffering. And patience and meekness and lowliness of life, Lord Jesus. Oh God, grant it tonight, Lord. Lord, I don't care if anyone ever sees me, ever knows my name, and not even interested in that, Lord. But I want them to see you. May you bless these people tonight, Lord. May that be our prayer, God. I'm not a smart man. I don't know fancy words, Lord. Sometimes I don't even know what to say, Lord, but just listen to my heart tonight, for it speaks, God. My heart speaks what my mind cannot put together, Lord Jesus. And I pray, God, that you'd be with my brothers and my sisters as we go forth from the surface, dear God. May we see, Lord, that we was born for a purpose. We didn't stagger into this thing, Lord, but you placed us here for such a time as this that in the darkness of this world we could bring our light, Lord Jesus. Grant it, oh God, I pray. Grant it, Lord, as we commit these things into your hands for your service, Lord. Hear our humble prayer tonight, Lord Jesus, I pray. May each of us, Lord, make that commitment now. May we make that commitment to you in the name of Jesus. Thank you for Brother Donnie, Lord. Thank you. 
for him obeying the word of the Lord tonight. Father, it's not easy to bring words like this. But Father God, it trims some of the world off of us, Lord. Makes us more for your service. Give him strength now, Lord, we pray. And Father, may we go with this attitude that we give ourselves away. We give ourselves away, Lord, that you can use us. Grant it, Father. Grant it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Is that your desire tonight, friends? Amen. Hallelujah. Give myself away. I give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. I give myself away so you. Can you see? Hallelujah. I give myself away so you can use me. I give myself away. I give myself away. So you can use me, take my heart, take my life as a living sacrifice, all my dreams, all my plans, Lord, I I give myself My life is not my own to do. 
See 